Rolling Stones magazine released an updated version of the top 500 albums of all time. A list like this was bound to spark controversy. So I'm here to give my opinion on how these albums stack up. I'm Gibbs, and welcome to the Rolling Review. What is up everybody? Gibbs here with number 407 on the Rolling Stones top 500 greatest albums of all time. It's Neil Young with Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere. Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere was the second studio album by the Canadian-slash-American musician Neil Young. It was released on May 14th of 1969, recorded January and March of 1969 at the Wally Hyder Studio 3 in Hollywood, California. The genre of the album is country rock and hard rock. It was released on the label of Reprise and produced by Neil Young and David Briggs. This album is only seven tracks long and had two singles released, Down by the River and Cinnamon Girl. And even though it's only a seven track long album, it's still a rather lengthy album coming in at just over 40 minutes long. I mentioned that there were two singles released, but... There would really be four songs from this album that would kind of become Neil Young's staples throughout his career. And Simon Girl and Down by the River were two of those songs, so the two singles definitely. But the title track, Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere, and Cowgirl in the Sand also became songs that would be staples in Neil Young's future performances. And... All four of those songs happened to be written on the same day, which was a day that Neil Young was feeling under the weather and had a fever of 103 degrees Fahrenheit. A kind of cool trick that he used during recording of the title track, Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere, which can be found on the original version of this album, was actually a temporary scratch vocal he sang through the low-quality talkback microphone on the mixing board, and it had no effects with it, or any reverb, or anything like that. And Young really liked the stark contrast to the rest of the recording that this recording style gave to his vocal. So that can be found on the original recording of this album, but this album did have a remastered version of it released in 2009, and I believe that's the copy that I listened to, so I don't really know if it's the same exact effect that was used back in that day, but I feel like it sounded somewhat similar. The cover of this album is a grainy photo that has Neil Young on it leaning against a tree with his dog, Winnipeg, at his feet. The photographer for the photo was Frank Bez, and they used that for the cover of the album. So that's kind of cool that it's not just a random dog, but it was actually Neil Young's dog in the photo. Upon release, this album had fairly positive reviews about it. A lot of people liked Neil Young. Neil Young was still a fairly new artist at the time, with his first recording coming out just 
four months prior to this one. So he was still a new artist and people didn't really understand what they were getting out of him yet. So a lot of the reviews were kind of back and forth with the music style of the album and his energy. And there were some that felt that this album came up short compared to his first album. His first album being described as more of a polished album, something that he took a lot of time focusing on how it was going to sound and everything sounded really clean. And this album, some described as a more of a rushed effort and didn't really feel that he was trying to do the same thing that he did with his first album. They felt that he was purposely trying to deviate himself away from all that he had done in his first album and just put out something a little more raw. As far as chart positions for this album, in 1970 it peaked at the Billboard Pop Albums at number 34, the same year, U.S. Cashbox Pop Albums had it at 62, U.S. Record World Pop Albums had it at 31, and Canadian Album Charts had it at 32. And in 1972, it made the Spanish Album Charts at number 18. It also would go on to be certified silver in the United Kingdom and platinum here in the United States, which isn't really surprising because Neil Young is known for more folky kind of sound that is more popular in the United States and maybe not something that transcends the whole world. Not that he's not influential to other people, just that kind of music genre doesn't really reach across as well as some of the other genres do. And while we're on the topic of genres, I was kind of surprised to see that this was ranked as a hard rock kind of album. I mean, even looking at the time period of 1969, I believe there was probably a little more music out there that could probably be associated with hard rock. I would give this more of a... It definitely had the country feel to it and folk vibe. And there's rock elements, but I would say it's more of a blues rock and something in that category of rock. I wouldn't dare call this one hard rock. This album did make some other lists, though, besides this one. In 2013, the album was ranked 398 on NME's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. In 2018, the album won the Polaris Heritage Prize Audience Award in the 1960-1975 category. And kind of looking back on Rolling Stone and their earlier incarnations of this list, you had in 2003, the album was ranked all the way up to 208. And when it was revisited in 2012, it only dropped two spots to 210. And just eight years later, this album drops almost 200 spots down to 407. 
which is a very significant drop. And it's one of those drops that has you wondering, by the time they come out with another version of this list, is this one that starts to trail off and is never thought about? And I kind of have a little bit of a theory on this, but I don't even know, because I... I listen to the lyrics of the song and kind of think of how they are perceived today compared to, say, 1969. But the song Cinnamon Girl, to me, doesn't seem like a very appropriate PC, if you will, kind of song to be playing today. And I wonder if that has something to do with the 200 spot dip because i feel like you obviously look back in the history of music and neil young is definitely an influential person and not influential just when it comes to music but he wanted to stand up for something he was from a time that he used his platform to really stand up for something, and if he felt an injustice somewhere. I, I mean, he was definitely a major influencer at the time, and has even still had a voice somewhat today, as he continues to try to take stands. I mean, you have just recently, earlier this year, I believe, was him and his battle against Spotify and all that went into that and him basically telling Spotify that unless they go and get rid of Joe Rogan you have to get rid of my music and sadly it came down to how many people listen to Neil Young still today versus how many people are listening to Joe Rogan, and unfortunately Neil Young lost those numbers by quite a bit, but he he followed through. He had his music pulled off Spotify. I don't think you can listen to Neil Young on Spotify now. I know other music platforms still carry him, so I'm sure he's an artist that's not really hurting too much from losing just Spotify, but he's still taking stands today, so he's a very influential person. But I do wonder if a song like Cinnamon Girl, which I kind of took as a not very appropriate song, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't want to be getting the song meanings completely wrong, but it's just my listen to not having prior knowledge of this album, if I'm sitting down listening to that, I think that it's kind of an offensive song nowadays. And not that I'm one that I don't get into cancel culture. I don't stand up and you can't listen to that, you can't say that, and all that stuff. People are what they are, and I try to support and be kind to everyone. That's why I always tell you guys before I end these be safe, be kind. I try to be kind to everyone. But at the same time, I'm not out there headhunting for people that choose not to be. So I'm not on a platform trying to say that, man, 
Neil Young offended me. I didn't like this album, and that's probably why it fell. That's not what I was getting into here. It was just kind of an observation with because of how I was feeling before with the whole theory that this list was based off of a lot of the political climate going on at the time and less based off of the music. And that's why I kind of bring up all these things is because I feel like that could have had a hand in the 200 spot drop. But maybe there is a chance that I'm looking way too deeply into this whole situation and maybe there was just 200 better albums out there this time that they went through the list and that's why he got bumped back so I don't know I don't I didn't put together this list so I can't say for sure what the reasoning was behind it but that's all speculation what I can tell you though is what Rolling Stone had to say about this album when putting it on the list they said quote Neil Young and Crazy Horse hadn't been together for more than eight weeks when they cut this album. It's down-home, hippie grunge, with the feel of a jam session conducted by master jammers. Both sides of the album end in monster ten-minute guitar excursions, especially down by the river, and Cowgirl in the Sand and Cinnamon Girl was Young's first big solo single, Three minutes of crunching distortion featuring a one-note guitar solo for the ages. The closest thing Crazy Horse had to a hit, Young said. End quote. So, maybe just because of, again, going back to the genre thing, maybe just because of the perception of hard rock today, maybe I don't view what he did as hard rock but rolling stone still seems to think that he was even using grungy which hadn't even been a coined genre yet at that time so take it what you will i guess it's a genre i'm sure things can fit into many different genres depending on what you think about it let me know what you feel. Do you feel like this is a hard rock kind of album that could have influenced many hard rock artists? Or is it more country folk and bluesy? My other thoughts on this album were the track Round and Round. I seem... It wasn't that long of a track. It wasn't one of the 10 minute tracks that they were talking about. Which honestly, I like those two 10 minute long tracks. But... This track, Round and Round, was still a... It felt like a long track. It wasn't one of the 10-minute ones, but it was one that I was just kind of sitting there, and it got to be very repetitive, and it was very slow-tempoed, which I'm sure all these things are on purpose, because other reviewers of this album had come out and said it had a haunting vibe to it. So... Maybe that's what he was going for on that, but I didn't really care for it. I felt like it was a very long, slow, drug-out song. I did, as they mentioned, the Down by the River guitar excursion. I did enjoy that soloing on that 
track. I felt like it was very good. It added a lot to the whole track. Even though it's a 10 minute long track, it was nice because the guitar kind of took you on a separate adventure. And maybe... I don't want to say that his lyrics were meaningless on those 10 minute long tracks, but it felt like more was left to the music in those tracks. It was more about a feeling than it was about trying to lyrically tell you something. Another track that I really liked was Running Dry, and it had a really good violin part in it. It, again, it was one of those tracks where the music kind of set the tone, which I guess it music always sets the tone, but it made you feel more than the lyrics again. And I also liked the guitar effect that was used. It was kind of a chorus with with a tapered delay or some kind of echo. It was very unique and something that wasn't used throughout the whole album so it stood out and in a good way so after all is said and done it's where is this album going to end up on this list and i'm thinking it's going to end up back at 422 which is just ahead of eric church's album and still below the roots and mia's around that area too which I kind of feel like that's just kind of your people that had an influence because of what they were saying and necessarily the album from a music standpoint might have been a little weak but it had a lot to say and a lot of importance to it in what they were saying so I kind of group it back there with those for right now as I always say with these things they're not set in stone the list is almost its own living thing, and it can move around. So if you disagree with me and where I put it, then you can hit me up or drop a comment. You can reach me, the Rolling Review at yahoo.com, or by going over to Facebook, like in the fan page. You can do that by searching at the Rolling Review, and the page should pop up. Give it a like. You can see the updated list there. And drop a comment. Let me know what you think. Because I feel like this needs to have more than just one person's opinion all the time. So let me know what you think if I'm ranking something. Or in the case of the track Cinnamon Girl. If I completely missed the meaning of that. And you're able to find something that proves otherwise. Then let me know. I try to always be very accurate in the information that I'm giving you guys so I can be wrong though sometimes because I am human and that is to err so if I'm wrong call me out let me know so I can get it fixed and correct it next time at 406 I got the magnetic fields with the 69 love songs and that's just not a ironic title or funny title there is actually 69 songs i have to listen to on this album so might take me a little bit to get back to you but i promise i will get back to you until then i'm gibbs this is the rolling review stay safe and be kind